This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm going to be joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, who's going to be the one helping you out today during our Smart Garden Show, which is around every Saturday here in the 11 o'clock hour. I'm the 11 o'clock or the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, well, it's got to be 11 o'clock somewhere, right? Uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. And if you have any kind of a uh, lawn or garden question, uh, call it in or text it in. Keep in mind it's the same number, 651-989-9226. That's 651-989-9226. We are awaiting Teresa's call, and I ho- I know she checked in earlier, and maybe she's having a little technical difficulty but in the meantime, uh, we can tell you that it's uh, 651-989-9226. We're already getting uh, some uh, lawn and garden questions uh, in uh, on the text line, and I know that uh, Dennis has cleared the phone line, so if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question and you want to talk with uh, Teresa, it's the same number, 651-989-9226. Had the uh, opportunity to uh, get some lawn repair done, Sometimes the timing isn't exactly correct, but uh, this time of year, as as Teresa and her colleagues will tell you, perfect time of year to uh, seed, get those lawns seeded. Uh, If if you have any areas in your yard like we did in ours, uh, great repair. Uh, And and then the rains came. As I said, the timing is everything. Good morning to you, Teresa Rooney. Long and view and listeners. Very good. Yes. You don't want to view me this morning. As a matter of fact. <laughs> me either right now. All right. Well, as I said, we're getting uh, text messages already. If folks want to call in and talk with you, they can do that too. 651-989-9226. You know, I was thinking of uh, heading out to the Apple House today. Yes, nice the Apple House is up and running. Yes. Uh, do you have a favorite apple? Um. You know, I I don't. I like I like a little sweeter apple because I need all the sweetening up I can get, and um, so that's what I like. I don't like the really crisp tart ones like Granny's or anything like that. I like the sweeter ones. But what yeah. about you? Do you have a sweeter uh, an apple well, that you prefer? Well, I like the Honey Crisp, but you know, I wanted to try. What was that uh, apple that came out a couple years ago at State Fair? <laughs> the First Kiss or something like that. The, yep, yep. There's a like, yep. First kiss, I think it is, and then there's yeah. There's a whole bunch in the. It's it is amazing how they bring those apples. All of the testing they have to do. It can take thirty years to wow. bring an apple to market. So That's when you amazing. bite into that honey crisp, just know that there's thirty years of research behind that, and those apple people have tasted. 
thousands and thousands of apples. <laughs> I think the other one I like uh, is uh, the what the sweet tango. I think yeah. sweet tango is another good one. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep. Well, enough about apples. Okay. <laughs> Let's get our listeners involved Let's get our here. Listeners this, answered. Uh, question is: Is it best to cut down asparagus in the fall or spring? Comes from Mary in uh, Owatonna. You know, um, I like to leave all the plants up um, as long as possible. If they're green and photosynthesizing, leave them up. If you need, if you have to prune them, you once they're killed by the frost, you can take them down um, if you want. Just remember that when you're taking all of that off of the top, you may be removing places where bees could overwinter, and because lots of our native bees overwinter in hollow stems. And so they overwinter and they lay eggs in there, and we need our native bees. And also when you take down all of that green or all that dead stuff above the ground, then you're exposing the crown. And the crown of the plant is the growing plant. It's right at the, at the soil and just under the, under the soil. And that stuff above the ground actually will hold leaves and snow and kind of insulate the crown. So if you take all of that off, then the crown is more exposed. And if we get a weird winter, if we get a sudden, sudden deep freeze or something like that, it could damage or kill the plant. Um, so, so I like to leave things up because, okay, admit it, I'm lazy and I leave things up and then most of the time they they just disappear over the winter, and I don't have to do any spring cleaning. But if you do have anything with um, insects in it, like four-line plant bugs, you do want to clean that up in the fall once they've been killed by the frost or in the early spring before it come, they come out of dormancy, and you want to clean that up and get rid of those eggs because that's where the eggs are for next year. Or if you had a disease plant, okay. you can clean up that foliage too. But otherwise, I like to leave stuff up that protects the crowns. You can clean up in the spring, and right now, instead of all the cleanup, just be planting fall bulbs and getting your garlic beds ready. Okay. That's my take. Let's grab a phone call or two here. Helen is calling up first, I believe, from a mayor. Helen, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Helen. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question about two. My One is my African violets. Mm-hmm. I always transplant them, which I did last, well, winter, I suppose, and they haven't bloomed since. Okay. And out in the garden, the dahlia bulbs that I plant each year, last the last couple of years they didn't bloom, and I always think, well, maybe this year they will, but they didn't bloom either. So, okay. so the African violet, African violet likes really tight roots. It likes to be root-bound. So if you plant it in a big pot, it's not going to do much. It's just going to sit there. So make sure that those roots are nice and tight, and um, and then get, you may want to make sure give it a little more light. Uh, it may need some fertilization too. We do have a wonderful African Violet Society in Minnesota. I would uh, look for them or go on the internet um, extension.umn.edu and check out the garden tab for more information. But they do like a tight root. Now the dahlias. I am not a dahlia grower. I admire dahlia growers to the nth degree, but I am not willing to put in any of that work that they require. So I am going to just refer you to the dahlia um, link in the uh, extension.umn.edu because I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. I know that the bulbs have to be a certain size. You have to make sure that they're in the ground early enough, so you may want to plant them up early in the spring in the house, 
and then transplant them out into the garden so they get a little more growth on them. And they do like, they would like a lot of good fertilization too because, because putting those flowers out, that takes a lot of energy and make sure they're in full sun. That would be my extent of what to tell you for dahlias. So please, we have a great dahlia society in Minnesota. We have a great, um, we have lots of wonderful garden societies or plant societies in Minnesota, hostas and daylilies and dahlias and African violets, et cetera, et cetera. So I would contact those people or always go to the extension.umn.edu website and check out the garden tab there. And those, there's great information on that. And sorry, I can't give you more information than that. All right, we need to take a quick break here, uh, Teresa, but we'll be back with more show, phone calls, and text messages here on our Smart Garden Show every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. And good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny along here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney helping you out uh, today, either by phone or by text. And we have, as usual, uh, Teresa, we have both. Tell you what, I'll, I'll get to the uh, text messages in a moment, but there are a couple of folks have been waiting online. Juanita is calling in from uh, Afton, I believe, first up here. Juanita, what's your question for Teresa? Hi, Juanita. Hi. It's about my lilacs. I have a lilac hedge, and it looks as though some of them are losing their leaves and turning brown. Yep. Um, we're seeing a lot of issues with lilacs this year. Definitely go to the website, extension.umn.edu, and click on the Yard and Garden News. There's a wonderful article about lilacs, and it will help you kind of diagnose what kind of issues your lilac might be seeing. But we are seeing a huge lilac dieback and huge issues with lilacs this year. So they put in a wonderful article. That's where I would suggest you go so you can really narrow it down to what you're doing, to what you're seeing. Good yeah, luck. We've had a lot of calls about that, a lot of text. We have, too. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, let's grab another call here, and then we'll uh, read some text. Tony is calling in from Maple Lake uh, this morning. Tony, uh, good morning. Morning, Tony. Good morning. Uh, I was. Uh, we have a, a lilac bushes also, and we would like to cut them back. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how uh, close to the ground, uh, how much of the stem we should leave. Okay, so you have some options. You can do what's called renewal pruning, where you take out a third of them each year. You start with the largest ones and work your way down. You take out a third. That will bring your height all the way down after three years, and you'll always get flowers every year. Or you can do the massive cutback, where you just cut it down to, you know, six inches, five inches at the base. You cut everything down. And that will mean you see no lilac flowers for about two to three years, but then your hedge will be back again. So those are your two options. Out of the art, they did cut down their lilac hedge uh, right down to uh, like five, six inches, and it grew back, and, and it's just beautiful. But that helps keep your, the height down, helps to thicken it up a little bit, and keep your flowers at a reasonable height. Um, so, so you can do that anytime. Uh, the lilac flowers have already formed for next year so anything you're cutting off you're cutting off next year's flowers if you take everything off again you're not going to see flowers for two or three years because it does take two to three years for that plant to send up um uh, to to be able to flower again has to flower on old wood so the first year any wood you see won't have flowers on it and you can do that now or in midwinter is great because then you aren't dealing with bugs and you aren't dealing with heat and you aren't dealing with leaves. Good luck. Yeah, good point. Texter says, had canna lilies for the first time this year. They were spectacular. What's the proper way to remove, prepare, and store the bulbs for next season? 
Okay, so cicanas so are huge bulbs, and you will find that, that the bulbs you put in, have they're massive now. So what you want to do is, again, let it photosynthesize as long as possible. That means leave the green stuff up as long as you possibly can. Once that's killed by the frost, you can dig up the bulbs because the ground hasn't frozen yet. So then you can dig up the bulbs, brush the dirt off, um, cut back any of the dead ball, any of the dead stuff that you're seeing, the, the leaves above ground, anything that looks rotted. And then you can just store it in a cool, dark place. Lots of us want to store them in our basements thinking they're cool and dark, but that's not always the best place because it may be too wet down there. It may be too dry and it may be too warm. Um, so, so you need to kind of check around your house. Maybe you have a closet that's against the outside wall you don't open very much. That stays cool. And again, the website will have the exact storage procedures because each bulb is a little bit different. Um, so, so I would definitely check on that for your cannons and just know that next year you're going to have a huge bulb and, and everything to enjoy. Congratulations. Oh. If you're just joining us, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is helping us out this morning, helping you out on our Smart Garden Show on WCCO. Here's a text, uh, Teresa. When's the best time to transplant a hydrangea? Okay, so you can transplant your hydrangeas now. I would get it done as quickly as possible. You want you want any of the plants that you're planting to have, if they're deciduous, like a hydrangea or perennials, you want them to have six weeks in the ground before the ground freezes. So if you think we're going to get a really early, early fall, then I would plant them, give them a really good drink of water, and maybe mulch a little bit heavier. That will insulate the ground just a little bit and maybe buy you a week or two um, into the fall, into the further uh, cold time with the ground not freezing quite as quickly. You want to get them in as quickly as possible. Anything evergreen, they want eight, eight weeks. So you're kind of past the point maybe of putting evergreens in right now. However, you can try it. Again, water well, mulch them deeply, and keep your receipts so you can go back to the garden center in the spring if they don't make it. But now is a great time to transplant to transplant and get things ready. Great time for uh, everything out in the garden. Everything you're doing this time of year in your garden is really going to help you next year. So whether it's taking care of your turf, or your garden, or whatever you're doing, it's really going to help the garden and lawn next year. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Teresa. I think Ron is calling in from Shoreview this morning. Ron, you are on CCO with Teresa. Hi, Ron. Hey, Ron. I think Ron might be gone. Oh, no. There you are. Okay. Go ahead, Ron. Okay. I have a, a lemony lace elderberry I got at the friend sale a couple of years ago it grew up to about four and a half feet tall mm-hmm. and then the first of August it just started uh, the thing just wilted and uh, we had about five stems and the leaves just you know turned brown and fell off so it did it stem by stem so each one of those I just cut it off so now it has no stems but it's sending all this new growth up. I had read that they're susceptible to verticillium. They could and be susceptible to verticillium. Verticillium wilt for some plants can be a death knoll, and for other plants it's just like a mild cold would be for us. It, it, some plants are very resilient and can handle it, and some plants just can't take it and they'll die. It, it just depends on the plant and how healthy it is. So that's putting up new growth is wonderful. 
So what I would do is just protect it from rabbits in the wintertime. Make sure it does stay watered into the fall um, until the ground freezes and just watch it. Um, I'm not familiar with that particular um, uh, variety of of elderberry, but I do love elderberry. And elderberry is one of those plants that can die to the ground or be pruned to the ground every year and come back just beautiful. So it's just something that it can do so so that it's, the fact that it's growing again is wonderful. And I would just protect it from any winter predation that you can and just be as gentle with it as you can. Good luck. Okay. I know we need to take a quick break here. We have another okay. half hour of the show to go. It's called Smart Garden, and we're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show. Denny Long on this end, and with the help from Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Uh, Teresa, boy, we've got so many callers, so many texters, as usual. And let's attend. Wonderful. And I want to get that, that website, uh, and I know we do that from time to time for the university. Uh, what is that website that, that's so great? Sure, it's extension.umn.edu. And if you can't remember that, just say Lilacs UMN, and it will bring you to the page for Lilacs. So, oh, okay. so if you can't remember all that other stuff. And if I can just mention the Hennepin sure. Master Gardeners, Master, Hennepin County Master Gardeners, we have a virtual um, uh, info booth on Saturdays. And so it'll be from 11 to 1230. And you can get the Zoom link if you'd like for at hennepinmastergardeners.org. And go there and you can Zoom on and ask Master Gardeners questions. You can listen to the whole thing or you can just get your question answered and head out. But yeah, we so we try to do that because we aren't at the garden center or aren't at the um, farmer's markets. So we're trying to reach our people and help them, but yeah, extension.umn.edu. Excellent. We'll we'll mention that again before you leave us today. Yep. Let's grab a phone call from Kathy, who's calling in from Lino Lakes this morning. Kathy, you are on with Teresa. Hi. 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 Good morning. Hi. Um, I just have a question. I planted a dwarf blue spruce in June, and on the end of three of the branches, the needles only about a maybe two inches, the needles turned brown and fell off. So it's only happened on three of the branches, but I'm just wondering why and if it's okay or... You know, it, it could just be a transplant shock. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Due to those ends of the branches, is you can just bend them a little bit. And if they snap right off, then maybe prune them so you don't have to look at them again. If they're still flexible, I, I would let them go because they may, spruces often have growing points where they can then sprout out again. So I would, I would leave those. But if they're, if they're dry, so if you bend them and they just break off, then just prune them so you don't have to look at it. Just make sure with the spruces and all of your evergreens, it's really important to keep watering them well until the ground is frozen or just about frozen because they lose a lot of moisture all winter long, and you don't want them to come out of winter decimated. And do protect your evergreens and your plants from bunnies and deer and mice. Okay. Here's a text, uh, Teresa. It says, good morning from Lionel Lakes. I have tiny green worms all over my climbing roses, and they eat all the leaves. Don't know what they are. How do I get rid of them? Okay, I'm I'm not 100% sure what they are either. They could be rose slugs. Usually we see those earlier in the 
season, though. So what I would do is um, go to the extension site and see if you can, extension.uman.edu, see if you can narrow it down a little bit. Um, and just understand that if your rose is healthy, one year of getting eaten by caterpillars or rose slugs or anything else is not going to hurt your plants. Um, you could, what you could do too is maybe bring in some birds with, with, uh, bird baths and bring the birds' attention to those little green caterpillars. Right now the birds are eating, looking more for fatty things like seeds in that so they're not as much into the protein but they may eat some of them for you you can also just pick them off and and toss them on the ground or or toss them into some soapy water that's the the easiest thing to do if you can handle that put on gloves if you don't want to touch them that's a good thing to do too but otherwise just keep an eye on it do go to the extension site to see if you can narrow down exactly what you're seeing and understand that your rose is probably going to be fine next year and it could just be a one-year thing but it's always good to know what out there. Texter wants to know, is it uh, too late to still plant ornamental grasses? To what ornamental grasses? To plant them. Oh, heavens no. Get your ornamental grasses in. Plant ornamental grasses and then plant more ornamental grasses and then when you're done with that, plant more ornamental grasses. Um, it's a great place for our, our, lots of our butterflies live in those and uh, the larva grows in those and, and um, it's wonderful for a lot of our native native uh, butterflies and, and bees and things like that. So yes, do plant your ornamental grasses. And if I can just remind the gentleman with his lilac hedge don't trim that now. Wait until the ground is frozen or until mm. it's gone dormant. Any pruning now on any of your shrubs is going to cause growth, just like the gentleman was seeing with his elderberry. So you don't want to do any pruning on your shrubs now unless you absolutely have to and you do the minimum. No pruning on your shrubs. Okay. Texter wants to know, uh, what is the best time of year to transplant pine trees and or western red cedars? Hmm. Um, you could do those. In, I would try in the spring. Uh, that was was it fruit trees in the beginning. Was that the first uh, part? It was a yeah, pine tree. Pine trees. Okay. I would probably wait till spring to do all of those transplanting those. Uh, you you could do a root pruning now, where you go out as far as you think you're going to dig up the root next year, and then you just take your shovel and go one shovel down. You just cut all of the roots. Do make sure that you're watering it really well. You're not trying to dig it up this year. You're just cutting those roots. And what happens when you cut those roots? Inside of that cut, a whole bunch of new roots will form. The feeder roots will form. So next year when you make that cut again and you dig up the plant, it'll be like almost a container plant. You'll have a lot of feeder roots and a lot of new roots already growing, and it won't have quite as much transplant shock if you do that the season before. And you can do that with any of your um, your shrubs or trees or, or perennials that you want to do. Just cut straight down. Don't cut under. And then um, just keep it well watered. And then next year, next spring, as soon as you can get into the soil, go ahead and move those plants. Okay. Listener wants to know, what should I do with my rhubarb this fall? Um, I would just wait until the rhubarb leaves die down. If you want to clean it up, you can. But rhubarb leaves usually... Uh, go pretty quickly. They decompose pretty quickly, so I, I often just leave them there. And if you want to do some top dressing of compost, that's really good. Otherwise, just nothing to do this fall. Um, you know, if, if it's a brand new plant, I would maybe give it a little bit of cover. Anything you've planted just this year, 
consider it a brand new plant and give it a little bit of extra mulch once the ground is frozen and then pull that mulch off in the spring. Um, anything that's been in there a few years, you don't have to worry about. It's already hardy. You don't have to give it any winter mulch. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Teresa. Uh, Cheryl has been waiting there in Golden Valley to ask you a question. Thanks for waiting, Hi, Cheryl. Cheryl. What is your question? Hi, it's a rhubarb question too. I've had the same rhubarb for 20 years or something and Wonderful. this year, yeah, but this year it's got, it had brown spots and just never really produced, just little spindly things. So okay. I think I need a whole new plant and I'm wondering if I should, if I can plant it right next to it or if I should dig okay. it up and use the same area. Sure. So, so there's some things to think about. Rhubarb is a really heavy. So usually those plants can be really long lived. So it's not probably not a matter of the plant needs replacing. It could just need more fertilization. And they do like full suns. So sometimes we don't realize that the plants have lost some of their sunshine. And um, so in that case, then you'll need to find a new place. You can put in new rhubarb in the spring. That's absolutely wonderful. I would maybe top dress with a little compost this year. And then next year, if you decide to keep the same plant and you know it's a nice sunny area, give it a lot of fertilization and uh, a lot of fertilizer, and also uh, if you decide to plant another one next to it, which is not a problem, just make sure it has a lot of uh, good, rich soil. You want to add some compost, you want some fertilizer in that soil in the spring once it comes up. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Here's a text that uh, it's a lawn question. Uh, The texture says, I put weed killer on two weeks ago. And I want to reseed. I think I have to wait two more weeks. But do I have to pull out, dig up, or rake up all the uh, weeds that have died first and then put down the seeds? That's a good question. So with us, um, and it's always good to read the directions for the fertilizer or the weed killer that you've put down, and it will tell you when you can reseed. But, yes, what I would do is if you don't want to dig up those weeds, I would at least cut them back because you want to see as much bare soil as possible when you're when you're putting down your grass seeds. And you want to put down that grass seed so a square inch has three to five seeds. That's about the thickness you want to put down, not a lot thicker um, because then they, they, they choke each other out. But, yep, you need really good grass to seed, so, uh, grass, I'm sorry, seed to soil contact. And, and so you need to clean up as much as you can. Don't need dead foliage, anything that's breaking going to be a barrier between the, the seed and the soil. So, yep, I would take up all that brown stuff and get that out of there. And, and again, if it's, you know, you may want to just toss it. You might not want to put it in your compost bin, depending upon which product you use as a weed killer. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Uh, Roseville is our next stop. I think Mike has been waiting there to ask you a question. Mike, you're on with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Hey, Mike. Thanks for waiting. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I want to plant a river birch. Would I could I plant it in the fall, or is it better to plant it in the spring? Uh, birches, I think you can plant now, but I think spring is actually a better time to do it. So what you could do now is just prep the soil, maybe add a little compost into the soil. Normally when you're planting a tree, you don't want to put in a lot of extra compost because you want those roots to head out into the soil and look for their nutrition. So you don't want to make a little sweet spot in your soil just for the trees. Um, so I would, I would probably wait till spring on that one if you can. Otherwise, get it in right away. And again, anything you're planting this year or even next year, make sure you protect from the critters because river birch is absolutely delicious for bunnies and deer and mice. 
<laughs> they love yeah. that sweet bark. That's sweet. That's sweet. Hang on, Teresa. We're going to take a quick break here. We have more show to come. Okay. And uh, uh, just a reminder that we're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. We call it Smart Garden. And welcome back to our Smart Garden show. Denny Long here. I'm joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. And, uh, boy, we've got uh, tons of uh, questions to, to answer yet, uh, Teresa. <laughs> let's, let's grab a, a lawn question here. It says this. I've got quack grass starting to take over one area of my lawn. I've heard uh, overseeding is a good way to push it out. How do I overseed, and, and how do I get the seed down to the soil? Okay, I, I personally would not say overseeding is good. Quack grass is going to outcompete all your little seedlings. You're going to have to kill and remove that quack grass and then replant. Uh, crop grass is just way too aggressive. It's a perennial weed. Um, it grows by underground rhizomes or, or roots, and, and it just takes over. So you do have to be really aggressive with it. It's an aggressive, aggressive plant. If you don't want crop grass, you need to pull it. Um, those little seedlings are not going to outcompete that crop grass by any stretch. Sorry. Another rhubarb question. Uh, it says, my rhubarb never seeded. Should I be concerned, and can I still uh, use the rhubarb? It didn't seed. Okay, if it didn't seed, that's wonderful. If it, um, yeah, that's that's great. If it didn't go to seed, go ahead and use the rhubarb. Um, I wouldn't be using it now because you want all those leaves to be photosynthesizing and getting energy back to the plant root. So you don't okay. you don't usually use your rhubarb after say August first, August fifteenth, because you want all those fresh leaves to add energy to the root for next year. Here's a uh, tree pruning question: Can I prune my oak ash? And maple trees now? Um, maples, uh, I would not prune anything now. Anything that gets insect disease problems like oaks and maple, uh, I'm sorry, oaks and elm trees and apple trees, uh, do not prune those uh, when there's any chance of any insects around. So those get pruned in January, February, maybe March, maybe December. Your maples, you can prune those anytime, but again, pruning this time of year, can cause new growth, and new growth is not going to make it through the winter, so you don't want to do any pruning now. Wait until okay. it's gone dormant, and then prune it as soon as it's become dormant and the ground's frozen, or um, in the late winter before the maple syrup runs. If you prune during maple maple syruping time, it's fine. It's just going to bleed a lot, and, and it doesn't hurt the plant. It just makes you feel horrible. Okay. Here's a text that says, we have ants eating our tomatoes. What can we do to prevent this next year? Oh, dear. Um, okay, so that, that's quite unusual. I Okay, it could be possible. But they're there because something has broken into the tomatoes, and maybe the tomatoes burst, they were, they were rotted, whatever. Um, I would just, I honestly don't know what to tell you on that one. Um, usually ants aren't a problem on tomatoes, but they would be there if there was a moisture issue or they needed some extra food. They aren't normally going to go after tomatoes that aren't broken. So something would have had to break the tomatoes. Maybe they were split. Uh, maybe a bird pecked them and just brought that awareness to the to the ants. Um, that's a new one on me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know about you, Teresa, I, but my day wouldn't be complete without talking about uh, Creeping Charlie. All right. Here's one. It says, I know you've talked about Creeping Charlie a zillion times, but can you, again, share how to get rid of it in a garden without destroying perennials? Sounds like sure. a, a labor sure. of love there. Yep. Okay, so again, I would suggest everybody go to extension.umn.edu for any of your garden questions that we can't get to. 
or contact the Hennepin County Master Gardeners or your local Master Gardeners. But Creeping Charlie, um, you want to get Creeping Charlie in your, when it's in your garden, you will have to hand pull it. You can selectively um, put chemicals on it, but you're going to have to isolate the Creeping Charlie so that you're not overspraying your other plants because anything you spray on Creeping Charlie to kill it will kill your garden plants. So hand pulling it out of your garden is about the only way to take care of that. And in your lawn, you can spray a broadleaf weed killer if you need to and just follow the instructions. Make sure it says it's for Creeping Charlie. Usually the best time of year is when Creeping Charlie is blooming. It's a little more likely to be grabbing more energy for photosynthesis because it's blooming and that takes energy. Or in the fall when the ground starts cooling. And again, it's grabbing more energy through photosynthesis and bringing the energy down into the roots. And because it's bringing that, that into the roots better, it absorbs the chemicals better and brings the poison into the roots better. So that's why it's best those are the easiest times to get it, and when it's quote weakest unquote, it's not really weak, but that's when it that's when it is. In your garden, you're going to have to hand pull it. Good luck. Yep, that's it. Uh, we have a couple of minutes to go, uh, Teresa. There's a text that says, "Do flocks multiply uh, by seed?" I seem to have more flocks plants every year. Yes, your flocks will multiply by seed, and often if you have a beautiful hybrid flock, and then it out pretty soon your, your hybrid flock is turned into the standard pink flock because the hybridization um, just kind of falters and it goes back to its original. So if you don't want it to increase or you don't want it to revert back to the regular pink flock, you need to be deadheading that um, once you've got enough flocks in your area. Okay. Here's a text that wants to know, can I keep mums in the house over winter? You know, I, I would personally say no, but I had a neighbor who did it. My mom did it. So, yes, give it a shot. Why not? <laughs> you know, give it a try. They need a lot of sunlight and just take, do your best with them. You can bring a lot of your, your outside plants in during the winter time if you need to, your annuals, and give them as much fun. Make sure you clean them off first before you bring them in. Again, go to the extension website, and it'll have really good ideas about how to bring your plants in for the in in 60 seconds that's all we have left tracy you want okay. to mention about the master gardener deal again okay so it would be you would want to go to hennepinmastergardeners.org and then you can get onto the zoom link from there you can always go to extension.umn.edu for gardening information and head out to the arboretum for the apple taste for the apples or you can also go to the um Arboretum has a, the free gala this Thursday, so you can sign up for the gala this week. And that's about all I know about everything. But all right. Well, it was great having you on again, Teresa. Thank you for good all your help. You. And I know we'll be joining you here in the next week or two as well. So okay. have a good Bye-bye. week. Bye-bye. You that's too. Teresa Bye-bye. Rooney. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney, yes. And uh, next week, uh, Mary Meyer, uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. We'll uh, join you then. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.